Thank you for that word. That was great. I was happy to hear that the young person was taught so well and could defend her faith in front of a university professor and tell him what she believed and why she believed it. We need young people that can do that, and I'm glad that you opened your mouth for the Lord. That is a great encouragement to me. Praise the Lord for that. Well, today we're going to speak on uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. If we could turn to there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> 3 through verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word, your word. We thank you for this Holy Spirit that is here, present, and that is inside of every believer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, the fact that you are with us and you live inside of us, and you always are. Thank you, Lord, for this time to hear your word. Pray you'd help me to speak it. May you be the voice that's heard. May you talk to us, Lord, for if it's me, it's nothing. But if we hear your voice speaking to our hearts, then it's something that's powerful to us from you. So we ask you to teach us, Lord. Help us as we listen to your word and as, as we go through it, may you be our guide. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's my message tonight. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. This letter written by Paul was his last letter that we know of. Paul was in prison as he wrote the letter. Paul was on death row. Paul had suffered much for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. In journeys often, in persecution, in, per, in uh, perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, in hunger, thirst, fasting often, in cold, and in nakedness. Paul's life was a tough life, and he 
suffered for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he suffered all of these things. He could have been on the Sanhedrin. He could have probably one day been the chief priest in Jerusalem. He was an educated man. But now, after going through all those sufferings, he is in prison and waiting his turn for death. And as he writes this letter, he is such a tremendous encouragement to Timothy as he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. He seemed like a fearless man. He was a man that put his neck on the line for the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew in whom he believed, and he was persuaded that he was able to keep that which he had committed unto him against that day. He committed his soul to Jesus Christ. And he went forth with that type of an attitude, with that belief, with that faith, fearless, because he had Jesus with him, and Jesus' mind in him. You know, it says uh, in here, this spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The world would say of the Apostle Paul, this man blew it. He was out of his mind. Yeah, he probably was out of his mind. He had the mind of Jesus Christ. He didn't have that old mind that he used to have, but he was a new creation in Christ Jesus. He had the mind of the Almighty. He lived for Jesus by his spirit. He had the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. He prayed night and day for Timothy. And I thank God for prayer warriors. Paul was a prayer warrior for Timothy. And Timothy became a great evangelist as well. Somebody prayed for Paul. And that was Stephen when he said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And that prayer did not die in the air. Paul was there, an unbeliever, a persecutor of the Christ, of the church of Jesus Christ. And the Lord answered that prayer. He didn't lay it to Paul's charge, but made Paul one of the greatest Christians in the history of the church. So Peter also prayed when he was in prison, and the doors came open, and he was released. And they prayed for Peter when he was in prison, and he was released in that way as they prayed overnight for him. They were praying continually. Paul praying for Timothy here. I can remember a missionary on the field that she was a lady missionary, and she had some big event coming up. And you know what she did? <clears throat> she selected people to pray for her 24 hours a day before that event. She said, will you pray for me from 8 to 10? She selected a lot of people. Will you pray for me from 3 in the afternoon to 4 in the afternoon? Will you pray for me from midnight to 1 in the morning? She had prayer warriors praying 24 hours a day before this big event that she did. She knew the value of prayer. And Paul said, I pray for you, Timothy, day and night. Daniel in the lion's den, the king prayed for him, and the lions were speechless. It was the king praying to an almighty God. The king couldn't save him, but the Lord saved him, and he answered that prayer. We have great connections by prayer. The power lines are up. 
when we pray to Almighty God, in great contacts that we have. It's mysterious to the non-Christian, but to us it's real. Communication with God in prayer. One time I was at the Detroit Willow Run Airport. I landed there, and while I was there, the president came in. So they shut down the airport. Big deal when the president came in, you know. And there were these secret service guys all over the place. And they had these little things in the palms of their hands. And they were communicating with each other about the president coming in. Air Force One was on final approach. And I thought, well, what great communications they have with each other. But we have such greater communication with the Lord God Almighty, which knows not only what has happened, what is happening, but what is going to happen. And he knows how to respond to our prayer perfectly well, as we said it before him. And Paul's love for Timothy is an open heart. He loved Timothy. I remember you, Timothy. And I pray for you day and night. He was a man that loved Timothy and the other brethren as well. As they wept on the beach, you remember, and when he said, You'll see my face no more. They really loved this man. He was a pastor with a great big heart. Going home on furlough, I liked doing that. Going back was very difficult. We had to leave the loved ones. Before you can go, you have to leave. And that was awful hard. Leaving my home church, leaving my mom, leaving my brothers, leaving all those that I loved here in this country. Paul had a heart like that, and it stirred him up. In verse 6, he said to Timothy, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He says to Timothy, Stir it up, the gift of God that's inside of you. The gift that's in you. You have a gift of God inside of you. And Paul's saying to Timothy, stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. What's to remind you of? Paint. If you don't use paint, it just sits there. What happens? It sinks to the bottom. You got to stir it up or it's no good. It'll go bad. Stir it up, Timothy. It's in you. It's inside of you. The gift of God. Stir it up. Agitate it. Put it to work. If you don't stir it up, it will go bad. And how do we stir it up? By using it. With our spiritual gift, we stir it up by using it. Teachers teach. Preachers preach. Writers write. Mothers be mothers. We need that more than ever in America. Evangelists evangelize. Faith, use it. It wasn't given to be put down but to be picked up, that sword, and the armor of God, and to go forth into the battle. We don't put on the shield of faith and pick up the sword of the Spirit and put on the helmet of salvation and then sit down in the church with it. That's not what it's for. You put on all that spiritual armor and you go out into the battle. That's what it's for. That's spiritual armor to go into the warfare, the spiritual warfare. And it's all spiritually speaking, those armors as if in an army, a soldier going forth. Paul did not stop. The Apostle Paul went from strength to strength 
to strength to strength. He just seemed to go like this. All the way to the kingdom. What a great example. You know, we see the Lord Jesus Christ who is our greatest example. But sometimes you might think, yeah, but you know, he was the son of God. He was 100% full of the Holy Spirit. He never sinned. He could do it. Paul was a man like you and me. He came from a sinful background and he was saved. And by Christ Jesus, he could do all things because he was strengthened through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He was a man like you and me, weak but strong, thorn in the flesh but given power by God. In his weakness, made perfect. What a great example. This man did it in the name of Jesus Christ. He was fearless, it seemed. He didn't have the spirit of fear that wasn't given to him by Almighty God. God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. We go forth with that spirit, the Holy Spirit. If we don't use these gifts, they'll just go down. You know, I, I remember there in Mozambique witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. Every day I had a certain way I said things, you know, and I could bring it up. And I, I was sharp on it as I did it every day. And sometimes we went out for a conference or we went out for a while for, uh, and I was away from my witnessing. And I found when I got back to it, I wasn't quite as sharp at it. The, the verses didn't come as quick. And the way I would present it, it just didn't go forward quite the same way. Why? I, I hadn't been using it for a couple weeks. <laughs> but when you're using it, yeah, you stay sharp at it. And that sword is sharp and your testimony is good. And those words come to you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Keep using it. Keep agitating it. Don't lay it down. That's how it should be. I heard on the radio, not this furlough, but I think the last furlough, or the one before that, I'm not sure. I heard George Beverly Shea singing. He was 102, I think, something like that. I said, I can't believe it. This guy's still singing. He's still stirring it up. <laughs> He's still using that gift of God that's inside of him. He's using it for the glory of God. Over 100 years old. And the Lord just keeps on using him. Well, this guy's singing for me. I'm going to let him live some more. He can sing some more for me. Sometimes I think of my Pastor Larry, you know. He just, he wobbles over there. We went to a funeral the other day, and he wobbled his way up to this little podium they had in the funeral parlor. And I'm telling you, he gave a message that was so powerful, and he had no power in his own. He was almost falling over. But the Lord gave him a word that just was Powerful that hit the hearts of all the people there and all his weakness, you know, and fumbling through the pages and his nerves are like this. But the Lord uses us in our weakness. He keeps stirring this up, little bit that's in him, a little that's in him, and the Lord keeps using him and using it. He's still calling on people. He still sometimes makes it to the old folks' home and he's older than most of the people in the old folks' home. <laughs> Praise God. He doesn't let it go. He doesn't let it go bad. He keeps stirring it up. He's there in Awana. He opens the Awana, you know. Oh, my goodness. 
We stand there watching them. The kids are watching them there. He has to sit down quite quick after he says uh, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag and to the Christian flag. <laughs> he's got to take it easy after that. But he's there in his very presence. It's such a stirring up of all of us that are there. Praise the Lord. So we use our gifts to stirring up. And another thing, in remembrance. You know, he talks about remembrance in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6. I remember you day and night, Timothy, and I'm praying for you. And then in verse 4, he said, Greatly desiring to see thee and be mindful, remembering thy tears. And in verse 5, he says, I call into remembrance the unfeigned love of unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. He remembered all these things. And in verse 6, he said, uh, I put thee in remembrance again. So, you know, we can stir up that gift that's in us by remembering what the Lord has done in our lives. Remember what God has done in your Christian walk. I use that a lot to stir me up. The Lord stirs me up when I think, wow, God did that. With, I know it was the Lord. Just like that story I told this morning. I think of that sometimes. Oh, it was the Almighty did that. He's the only one that could do it. He really did it. Oh, and it picks me up. I remember one time I was going back to the mission field. And it got near the day of departure. In those days, always got kind of sad. And I was living with my mom. I was single. My dad died my first term on the field. So my mom was a widow. And uh, we were close, mom and I. And we were sort of moping around the house, teary-eyed. I was supposed to leave uh, tomorrow on the flight. And we didn't feel too good because I was leaving. And I hated to leave her. And she hated to see me go. And that whole missionary thing. So the phone rang, and my mom answered it, and she said, it's Pastor. So I got the phone, and Pastor said, Don, a guy just walked in my house. He put $1,500 on the table, and he said, give this to Don Pataki as he goes out to Mozambique tomorrow. And I said, wow, okay, Pastor, thanks. And I hung up, and Mom said, uh, what was that all about? And I said, well, this guy just came to pastor's house, put $1,500 on a table and said, give this to Don Pataki as he goes off to Mozambique. And mom said, oh, you better go. You better go, Don. <laughs> it sort of clinched it for us, you know. I mean, I was going, but she, when she said, when it came out of her own mouth, you know, I remember that until today. The Lord's with me. The Lord's behind me. He gave me the boot. And I went in the power of His Spirit. I went in tears, but I went. And the Lord blessed me all the way. Remembering what He did. One time I was in New York. And I got there early for the flight. It was a connection out of Detroit to New York. And they had two flights going onward to Amsterdam. And I had to go to Amsterdam, then down to Africa after that. And the lady said, you're early for the second flight, but there's one leaving right now. You want to go on that one? It's going to the same place. And I said, well, I thought about it, and I said, no, I don't like to make change that last minute. Uh, just keep me on the same one. 
okay, you're the first guy on the next flight. Okay, so I waited there like two and a half hours in the terminal. Then I got on the plane, and lo and behold, I had a regular ticket, but they put me in the first class. So there I am up there with the big boys, you know, <laughs> the wide seats, and I thought, I'm on business for the king. <laughs> and we, we went roaring out of New York, first class all the way, and I had a regular ticket. Praise God. I remember, you know, these, these things that the Lord did. Oh, God. Praise your name. Hallelujah. It's something that stirs it up. You know what I mean? It works in my heart and my soul, remembering these things. One time at Detroit Metro Airport, pastor got us all together. And, you know, he said, let's pray. Just before I got on the airplane, he said, well, let's pray. He had a group from the church there. And it was an embarkation thing. And everybody could go there at that time. Now they don't let you in there unless you're a passenger. But you could go there at that time and Pastor Mattis prayed. And we were like 20-some people in this place. There was probably 150 people in there. I don't know. Prayed. Got on the airplane. We're out over the Atlantic Ocean. And I stood up in the aisleway to go to the bathroom or something. And this lady taps me on the shoulder. She said... Are you a missionary? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm a missionary. How'd you know that? She said, well, you know, in the Detroit airport, I saw somebody praying for you and a lot of people there. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to Mozambique, Africa. Really? Yeah. Well, where are you landing first? I'm going to first land in Zimbabwe, then I drive in from there to Mozambique. Somebody's going to, and then she said, do you have anything arranged? Somebody pick you up and a place to go. And you know, I said I was so busy right to the last minute that I never got that arranged. I'm going to arrive at the airport and I don't have anybody. She said, my son's a missionary in Zimbabwe and he'll pick us all up at the airport and take you right to the guest house. <laughs> that prayer in the Detroit airport did all of that. I didn't have any of it arranged, but the Lord arranged it. And I remember... <laughs> Remember, I remember you, Timothy, and I'm praying for you day and night, and I remember your mom, and I remember your grandma. It stirs us up when you remember what the Lord did for you. Praise God. What great things, how it causes us to stand up and say, oh, God, thank you for what you did. You're not going to leave me now. You're not going to desert me now. I'm in the boat headed for the other side. You're not going to abandon me to drown. You've called me. And you'll never leave me, never forsake me. You've done great things all the way. Well, he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power, it says in verse 7. The spirit of fear is not from God, but the spirit of fear is from our enemy when it comes to doing the work of the Lord. It says in Joshua 1, chapter 9, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Be not afraid. Be of good courage. And he was encouraging Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That was the word that was given to Joshua. Not be afraid. Take your stand. Take your position. Don't have fear. I'm with you all the way. Not the spirit of fear. 
Not that we should never ever be afraid. There's times that I was afraid. Remember Paul said, Oh, we escaped such a great death. I don't know what would have happened, but evidently he was in for a terrible death, a painful death. But he said, we escaped a great death, a great death. There are times where we get mighty nervous and might be afraid of the pain and what might come upon us. But to be afraid to go forth with the gospel of Jesus, there's no need when he's with us. For even death is a victory for us. We go forth with power from on high, committing our souls unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We witness with power from on high. We live with power from on high. Be bold and be strong, for the Lord thy God is with thee. When people ask me what I do, I quite frequently try to be as blunt as I can. I tell them I preach Jesus Christ. That's what I do with my life. I don't do something else. I'm not a plumber. I'm not a carpenter. I've been called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I do. And by what authority do we do these things? By the authority of God, who has given us the commission to go out and do it. In Acts it says, And he reasoned of righteousness, self-control, judgment to come, and Felix trembled, the governor, the high-positioned man, the man that had power and authority, the governor, he shook and he trembled as Paul reasoned of righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. It also is written, King Agrippa, you almost persuade, King Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. The king said that to the apostle Paul. It says, also Apollos convinced Jews mightily, and that publicly, that Jesus was Christ. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed, it says in Acts 19.20. It grew mightily and it prevailed because God was with it. A great company of the, of the priests believed, and Paul spoke in such a manner that almost the whole city came out. Praise God. I've had that happen in Mozambique. The whole town came out. It wasn't much of a town, but it was a town. Everybody came out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Lord opened up audiences and opportunities. He hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. I don't know if I witnessed here one time. I was given the opportunity once in one of those cities in Mozambique to speak before a great crowd of unbelievers. They had a conference going on in town of businessmen, leaders, government people, military people. The, the war was still on in the country. They had people from both sides of the conflict in this conference. And the Catholic bishop was going to be there. A pastor came to my house. And he said, look, you know, they're having this conference in town this week, all week. And... The Catholic bishop is supposed to be, be there and speak, but he can't make it. He's out of town. He's in Europe. Would you like to speak in his place? Wow. Speak there in front of all those people in the place of the Catholic bishop. I said, well, yeah, it sounds pretty good to me. What an opportunity. <laughs> and he said, uh, 
Yeah, but you can't go too much on religious stuff, you know, because uh, we don't know how they're going to react to this. And it's not really, we're not too free on this religion on how we, we, what we can preach. Although they're slackening off on persecution and stuff, but I don't know. And I said to him, well, you know, maybe you better find somebody else. I'm liable to say something that'll upset the people or something. And he said, well, no, just take it easy on it, you know, don't uh, go too heavy on it. And I said, well, I, I, you know, when I start preaching, I never know for sure what's going to happen, you know. And he said, oh, I just preach whatever you want, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went over that place, and it was a room a little bigger than this, uh, one and a half times maybe, and they had about 85 people in there. And uh, they told me to sit down over there, and they did a protocol. And uh, when they were doing this thing, you know, this funny wave came over me, and I thought, phew, just a strange feeling. I felt so uncomfortable. It wasn't a church. It was practically all unbelievers, businessmen, people like that. And, you know, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, what am I going to tell these people? What do you want me to say to these people? And, you know, a word came back really quick, and the word was this. Preach Jesus. And I thought, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm not a plumber. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a mechanic. I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I am. So then they motioned me when the time came to get up there and preach. And I began to preach. And I was preaching the gospel to this audience. And this guy on this side over there, he looked at me like this. And he started to put his hands down on the table like this. You know, he, and once in a while, he'd look up at me. He put his head down again, and I wasn't exactly encouraged at his motions. <laughs> and I'm looking out over the audience, and this guy's sitting there, really glum looking, and he's sort of looking at the guy on both sides of him, and oh boy, I didn't get any more encouragement from him either. And I kept on preaching. It was difficult. But as I was preaching there, I saw a guy in the middle. He sort of had a little smile on his face, you know, and he... He had a whole different appearance. And I thought, there's a believer in this place. And I took courage and I preached the word with more strength as the Lord gave it to me by his grace. And I saw another guy on the other side. He was kind of smiling, you know, he's looking on both sides. I took more courage and I preached the word in that place. And when it was all over, they put me by the door, just like at the church, you know, at the door, everybody goes by and shakes your hands. And they come by me and they're shaking my hand. And I said, well, that, that was pretty nice, you know. And they hardly knew what to say. And then these guys who were smiling, and I thought they were Christians, they grabbed my hands. Way to go, brother. That was a good word. We really needed that in this place. <laughs> so I preached to the magistrates. I always wanted to do it like Paul did. And I preached to the magistrates. He gave me the opportunity to preach the word. And I thank him for that. Praise the Lord. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power. And he gave me the opportunity in the audience with power to preach the word in front of all those unbelieving governmental type people, business people, army people. What an opportunity that the Lord gave me. And I walked away from there scot-free, you know. Nobody put me in prison or anything. Praise God. He's given us the spirit of power. Also, he's given us the spirit of love. Love. Now, this seems like a strange combination, you know. 
power and love. Well, you know what? The biblical definition of love is this. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous to us. That's the love of God. And what is His commandment? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's His commandment. If we love Him, we keep His commandment. We do His word. If we don't, we don't love Him. Not truly. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he is, it is he that loves me, the Lord Jesus says. We should love him by doing his word. Doing especially what he commanded us to do. Loving what God loves. Hating what he hates. Loving God is the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy mind and all thy heart and all thy soul, all thy strength. You do that by obeying him. By doing what he told you to do. Not just believing the word, but loving the word. Wanting to do it. It's not grievous, but I want to do it. I love to do the Word of God. Not just to hear the Word of God, but to do it. Love and power seem like a strange combination, but the greatest power there is, is love. God is love. Consider Jesus. Jesus came into this world and nothing was hard for him. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He made the blind to see. He expulsed demons. He preached the gospel to all the peoples. There wasn't anything too difficult. Is the Lord's arm short? Is there anything too hard for him? Did he come upon a case that he couldn't cure? No. Nothing was hard. Everything was easy. Even the demons ran out away from him. It was all easy at creation. He spoke it into existence and the universe was. Everything was easy until the cross. And then he sweat blood. It wasn't easy anymore. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood. When you think about what happened there, was it something light for the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Was it something that was not difficult for the Lord Jesus Christ? No. It says he was in agony, and he was in sorely depressed, and he sweat blood. It was as if, it was as if omnipotence, if it was possible, was stretched to the limit. It took omnipotent power to save you and to save me. Wow. So great is our sin. So tremendous. How could this be done when the Almighty who did everything effortlessly with the word of his power was stressed to such a point that it took such tremendous force for him to do it. How could he even do such a thing as he did? It needed tremendous power. 
More power than creating the heavens and the earth. What power was it? The power of his love. That's how he did it. That's how he worked on our behalf out of love. God is love. And you are his love song. And whoa, what it took to take us to heaven. The love, the almighty, omnipotent love of God. Whew. Paul was killed by the love of God. Paul was born again by the love of God. When he saw what happened at the cross of Calvary, he dropped dead. But he said, nevertheless I live, not yet I, but Christ lives in me. He was born again of the power of the Holy Spirit, killed by the love of God, risen to life by the love of God. When he saw the great love of God, he was undone. He died to his old life, to the old Saul, was finished. All of his purposes and plans were done. He was an old creature there. Now he's a new creation in Christ Jesus, born again with a new life. The love of God changed such a mighty sinner. And so he did with you. The powerful love of God did it at the cross. Our sin did not hold him on the cross. But his love for us held him on that cross. As he was on that cross, he thought about you. As those sins were coming at him, being piled on him, all the judgment that was being thrown on him, the wrath of God coming upon him, perhaps it was something like this, here comes another one, pow! There's another sin of dawn, pow! Here's another one, a pastor friend, look, we'll nail it to you! Here's another one, put your name on it, that goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. What made him stay there? Love, the powerful, mighty love of God. That's the spirit that we have. Not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Jesus Christ, the love of God, in you, the hope of glory. Your love, the love of Christ in you, goes out. And you suffer with the gospel of Jesus Christ to find his sheep, to find his people whom he loved with an everlasting love. We suffer for the elect's sake, as Paul did in the hands of sinful men. A sound mind, point three. Not the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That means a sober mind, a healthy mind, a wholesome mind, a disciplined mind, a correct mind, a thankful mind, a solid mind. A person living in honesty, chastity, holiness, self-control, pureness, abstinence, a hater of sin because that great hater of sin, Jesus Christ, is alive and well inside of every true believer. And a person that's like that in this world is made to feel like a fool, like a coward, but he has a sound mind. What's a sound mind in this world compared to God's word are completely two different things. When I was at Bible school, the president at Bible school, he taught theology and I was in his class and one of the things that he said when he was young, he announced to his family that he was going to 
seminary. And one of his aunts said to him, why do you want to throw your life away? That's what his aunt said to him. What an encouragement, eh? Why do you want to throw your life away? Don't you have a sound mind? Yes, I got a sound mind. That's why I'm going to seminary. How many said the same thing perhaps to you and to other people that followed the Lord Jesus Christ in times past and times present? More than a century ago, there was a man that wrote, Christianity in another hundred years will end and the Bible will be finished. We won't hear anything more about it. Well, time has come and gone, and I don't even remember who that man was, but he's finished. The Bible's here, and Christianity is still here. And we march forward. It may not seem too strong in this country, but we move on with a sound mind preaching it, and his believers are still here by the millions. He has his reserved. And in other parts of the world, there are other people receiving from a sound mind of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was a pilot, I had a friend. I wasn't a believer yet, but I got to know him. We flew together. I became a believer later on. I went to his apartment, and I shared Jesus Christ with him. Now, this guy by that time was flying jets for United Airlines. He was up there at 35,000 feet behind the throttles of a jet airliner. I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, and he said, Ah, oh, it's rubbish. I don't want anything to do. Jesus was nobody, was nothing. He was so intelligent, but he wouldn't accept Jesus Christ. He thought it was a silly mindset. We've got a sound mind. He's never going to fly that jet to heaven. If you do not agree that man comes from monkeys, and if you don't agree that the universe came from a big bang, and if you don't agree that a man should be allowed to marry a man and a woman should be allowed to marry a woman, you're out of your mind. They think you're crazy. We should teach our children these things. But we have the mind of Christ, and it's a sound mind. If you want to be a mind reader of God and have his mind, read this book. You're mind reading God Almighty. And you get a sound mind. His mind. The mind of Jesus Christ. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There you have the sound mind of God. Which answers the big questions. Of where did I come from? Where am I going? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? The book has the answers. One thing that perplexes me, why are the scientists so interested in sending billion dollar rockets into outer space with fancy cameras to try to discover the origins of the universe and if there was ever any life on Mars when in, according to them we all die and vanish into vapor and there's no purpose in life anyway. Why do I want to know all that? Who cares? We came from no place, we're going no place, so what do you care about all that anyway? Why do you want to send up a billion dollar rocket to find out all that stuff? You're going to vapor off into nothing. You don't believe in anything, so does it matter? Keep some of the money here, you know. Why are you sending it out in outer space? What good is it going to do them anyway? The people proclaiming these things are the, are the sophisticated professors in our universities. 
They're the same people that say, oh man, come here, man, we came from monkeys and it's all a big explosion. They're the same people. They're the ones, well, let's send rockets out there too and we got to discover all this stuff. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's right there. You don't have to go a billion miles. You can read it right in your own living room. What are you wasting your time for? Sound mind. They need a sound mind. Imagine if everybody was faithful, like the Bible says to be. There'd be no AIDS. Pills wouldn't be necessary. You wouldn't need any injection. Nobody would have to go to the doctor for AIDS. It'd be 100% effective. That's what a sound mind would do. Ah, oh, no, we can't do that. You know, you can have premarital sex. And just be careful with your partner and all this. Yeah, we'll tell you to, to tell it to the millions that have AIDS, you know. It doesn't work. But a sound mind will bring it through. A mind that's on the Word of God that believes in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We treat death with a sound mind. Do you call an atheist to do a funeral? <laughs> What's he going to say? No, we don't call atheists to do a funeral. Even the unbelievers call on us at the church over there. They want the pastor to come out and do the funeral. Guy's an unbeliever, never was a believer. But they love to hear the 23rd Psalm. You read that. Maybe there's some mysterious being out there someplace. We need to put the foolishness, the ignorance of foolish men. We need people with a sound mind. You know, in the 1991 Gulf War, the first Bush was in power, and he, before he unleashed the attack there, he called people to his office. He didn't call Michael Jackson. He didn't call the Rolling Stones. He did call Billy Graham. He did call some other reverends to, the, to his Oval Office. Why? He wanted to hear from people with a sound mind. He didn't need to hear, need to hear from madmen. He needed people that weren't rolling stones, but were solid rocks on Jesus Christ. We need people with a sound mind. There are so many people out there that are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And they're the presidents of universities. Thank God for the homeschoolers. Our mind is Christ's mind. Our power is His power. Our love is His love. Love, power, and a sound mind. We don't have the spirit of fear. When you go out and testify about the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got the spirit of power. You've got the spirit of love. Because you're obeying the word of God. He that loves me obeys my word. And it's not grievous, to, not grievous to him. We go out with power and we go out with love. The love of God doing his word. And we go out with a sound mind. Don't be afraid. The Lord thy God is with you. When you testify, remember the Lord in his word. I'm with you always even unto the end of the world. Go out there and do it. No matter if they call you a fool, they said it to Paul. They said it to the Old Testament prophets. They're saying it today. You go. I'm with you. There are a lot of famous people in hell. 
they thought they were right. Everybody in hell thought that everybody in heaven was out of their mind. But the ones that are in heaven had a sound mind by the grace of God. We've been given that spirit. Not the spirit of fear, no. But the spirit of power. The spirit of love and the spirit of a sound mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the spirit that we have. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can go forth boldly proclaiming the word of God, knowing in whom we believe. And we want to do that, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be strong and of good courage, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Thank you, Heavenly Father, as it is written, only be courageous. Do not fear. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for those encouraging words. And thank you that you said you were with us always. We thank you for the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen.